You're listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, bringing the most inspirational leaders in the Australian tech industry together to collaborate, share stories and exchange ideas. I'm Liam McDade, co-founder of Evolution Australia, and today I'll be your host. Hello and welcome to another Evolution Exchange live podcast, uh, where today we'll be discussing how to cultivate tech talent to foster innovation. As ever, I have some industry experts with me today who are ready to share their thoughts and insights with you. So let's get into the intros. Over to you, James. Yeah, thanks, Liam. Hi, everyone. I'm James Peplinghouse. I'm CTO at Wilbur. And Wilbur is uh, a company that produces a claim management software, so in the insurance industry. And uh, one of our strong innovations is that we have a marketplace of, of suppliers and repairers that we can then pair with marketplace of insurers. So uh, it's something that we do that no one else does. And uh, yeah, we're on a scale-up journey. We've, we're, we're in market, we've got lots of clients, and we're just taking things to the next level right now. Wonderful. Thanks, James. And Emanuele, over to you. Uh... Hi everyone, I Liam and thanks for inviting me. I'm Emanuele. I'm a busy and proud dad of two beautiful twins and I'm currently CTO of Glider. Glider is a three years old fintech uh, startup uh, with a goal of making bill payments easier for customers. We embed into existing system and we extend their capabilities in order to increase their payment collection rate. So, thank you very much. Okay, so um, what are we going to talk about today? So, let's say the, the topic is to cultivate, uh, how to cultivate tech talent to foster innovation. Um, and our goal today is really to share thoughts and insights on uh, the varying definitions and manifestations of innovation, quite ambiguous terms, so trying to kind of define find that, that, that down as best we can. Um, establishing strategies to create a culture of innovation within a team or organization. Um, identifying common blockers to an innovative, truly innovative culture. Um, optimizing recruitment strategies to align with and support that innovation. And of course, it wouldn't be a podcast in 2023 without a discussion on AI at some point. So um, we'll be discussing the impact that artificial intelligence can have on, on everything else. Um, that we've discussed today. So uh, looking forward to a good chat. Um, best place to start, I think, always to when we're talking about a specific topic, it's kind of define what we what we mean by that or what we what we see that as see that as being. So um, let's say innovation can be quite a quite ambiguous term or innovation innovative uh, can be um, you know ambitious ambiguous terms um, that, that people see differently. Um, so just want to kind of just define what innovation means to us. Um, and how we have seen that manifest itself um, in organizations or teams that we've worked in previously. James, you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. So I think um, innovation in this context can can also be looked at from different lenses, right? So you've got the business side and then the technology side, and I think there's quite different um, approaches to innovation within those. So we're looking at the business side. I think it's more about... Um, you know, bringing new products and services to market, trying to innovate something different that hasn't been done before. But it could also just be um, becoming innovative about your processes inside the organization. And that applies to startups all the way through to large enterprises, right? Um, and then, yeah, you can look at adjacent markets, you can look at other products. So um, innovation can still be we're taking someone else's ideas and building layers on top of what we're doing, or maybe it's a first row industry. So that's kind of the way I see the, the business landscape of innovation. Um, and then with technology, uh, obviously there's a lot of emerging tech uh, at the moment. So the AI is the big thing this year. Um, all of those, you know, blockchain, IoT, workflow automation, all of that kind of stuff as well. Um, but, you know, from a technology perspective, we're looking for new technology advancing or, or using other technologies in a unique and innovative way that enhances productivity or maybe creates new experiences for our customers. How have you seen that um, manifest itself, particularly, let's say, within, within Wilbur or in previous organizations? Yeah, so, um, well, if you look at business innovation with Wilbur, as I mentioned, we've got a a world first uh, marketplace for insurers and repairers. So insurance has really big supply chains, got thousands of companies there. 
and they all need to be vetted and um, certified. Uh, so yeah, that's something new that we're bringing to market that hasn't been done before, um, which we believe will transform the market. Um, and then in technology, it's a never ending thing, right? So it's continual improvement, learning, um, bringing in new technologies. But I guess as a CTO, we're trying to also be very sensible about the technologies that we pick because we know we're going to have to live with them um, in the future as well, right? Yeah. There's business benefit versus cool feature. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and with all the cool features that exist these days, you know, it's really, really difficult to, um, to value the, the best ones, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And maybe out as well, what does innovation mean to you? What's the definition from, from yours or from Gladys' perspective? So I believe that like often people misappropriate the word innovation and they just believe it's uh, only like adopting a new cutting edge technology or like building something that you never seen before or having the groundbreaking idea that will make you an instant millionaire. Uh, th this is true. However, uh, it's very rare and very, very risky. Uh, in my lens, I believe innovation is more like incrementing the system that um, you have today on where you wanted to see it tomorrow. So it could just be like automating a particular tedious process or even just adopting the next version of a technology that you're already using. Um, this uh, is still in many ways like interesting and challenging. Uh, it will benefit the system as a whole and it could incrementally lead you to the groundbreaking idea that everyone aspires to without taking the unnecessary risks. And how does that manifest itself with Glider? Oh, well, as I explained, um, we, we see innovation like every small, small step that we're taking forward like every day. Uh, and it could be like a simple thing, like because we are in a startup, uh, we uh, need to come up with like, uh, creative ideas uh, without using huge budget or resources. So uh, innovation for us is just um, find any cost-effective solution um, to take us to the next step. Yeah, something from, from from evolution's perspective, I think yeah, this is uh, something that's close to our heart. We, you know, innovation or being innovative um, is one of our three core values. The other two being um, ambitious, collaborative. Um, and we went through an exercise when we first, you know, put these 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 um, in these values across the business. We went through an exercise of of, of defining each of those. Um, and in uh, within evolution, I'm not saying this is um, necessarily. Um, uh, gospel, but um, our definitions for innovative are visionary, um, and the and, and the behaviour that that, um, that that manifests itself there is being visionary is encouraging new ideas. So um, it doesn't, to your point, Emmanuel, it doesn't need to be um, a brand new, cool piece of tech that costs all the money. It could just be a new idea of how to do something very simply that is you know a quicker, more effective way of doing. A menial task, for example, but looking at it in terms of actually encouraging, being visionary in terms of encouraging those new ideas, um, is you know, it's, it's how we define that entirely here. Um, another uh, definition of of, of uh, innovation or being innovative is to be entrepreneurial, um, and um, the behaviour behind that is making it happen. Um, you know, we we look to uh, solve problems um, and making those creating those solutions and making making that. Um, making that solution happen or making the solving of that problem problem happen um, is one of the core, core tenets of, of what we see innovation as, as being. Um, and the third definition, sub-definition of, of innovative from the evolution perspective is to be creative. So um, the behavior there is using our imagination. So, um, you know, it comes to, it, it, I think, I, I really like those values, I would, right? You know, it's it, the, the, the values in my business, I like those definitions. But I think also that they, they align really well with the, the examples that you, you just gave in that, um, you know, the, um, it needs to be new, it needs to be creative, it needs to solve a problem, it needs to do something better. 
Um, and so I think, you know, I, I, I probably think we're all probably in agreement there on, you know, slightly different manifestations, perhaps from organization to organization, but um, I think we've done a pretty good job of, uh, of defining that there. So, um, yeah, I think if I could add to that, Liam, just on, um, fundamentally what we're trying to do with innovation is just create some sort of value right? and increase the value. So it doesn't have to be something that's completely brand new in the, in the whole global market, but it can be new in your company and that's fine. But the value could come from reducing costs, like reducing life cycles of workflows or creating a new feature so that you're breaking into a new market, anything like that. But yeah, I think creating value at fundamentally is what we're trying to do here. Cool. Okay. So now we've, now we've, we've, um, we've got those, those definitions down, perhaps it's the, the more challenging part of establishing strategies to create a, a culture of innovation within, within, a, within a team organization. Uh, Manuel, I'll come to you first on, on, on this one. Um, within Glider, again, or, or, or previous roles you've had, previous organizations you've worked in, um, how have uh, strategies been established to create that culture? Well, um, I believe like there are two main points, two main key strategies like to consider in order like to create a culture of innovation. And it's what I try, or like my, uh, my company is trying like uh, in order to build this culture. And the first one is to have like a clear and defined vision. It's very important, like before start thinking of innovation, to establish like a compelling vision or a company overall mission and goal. Um, then you will need to articulate this vision to all your employees, like from the new hire to the chairman, and emphasize the importance of driving growth and creating value, and of course, stay ahead of the competition. Um, this is really important that we'll start like from directors and executive teams because uh, we notice that like if this message uh, starts from the top, uh, it's easier like to promote this kind of culture of innovation. Um, a second and very important um, thing is to have a psychological safe environment in the company. So only when the employee feels safe, they start like sharing ideas, they express their concern and they learn from their mistake. So in order to do that, you need to create like opportunities within your team to encourage dialogues uh, with um, normally like cr cross-functional teams where like you completely erase hierarchy like there's no boss anymore and where like people will will feel safe like to share their ideas without thinking uh or without thinking that they are putting their head out of the parapet by doing that and last but not least uh is to to celebrate success um nothing works like when your team like is coming up with ideas you um you evolve them you create them but then like you don't celebrate that success then your innovation culture will go slowly going to die so it's very important that we never forget like to shout out our colleagues whatever like is a big or small idea or a big or small improvement and we can simply do it like on a stand up the daily stand up or like office company chat so that that's mine james how are you yeah so i i agree with um nearly all of that i think if you if it's your dream to have an innovative company then you need to live the dream right so it has to be genuine and you know as emmanuel i said it has to be also top down so if you take a vertical slice of anywhere in the company, even across multiple different departments, if there's any breaks in those chains going down, the vision or the support to be innovative, then that's where the, the process is going to fall apart. And I've seen that happen 
um, in working with many large enterprises, which are insurance companies normally. Um, you know, they grab these innovation teams. So the exec layer says, yep, we want to innovate. So we've got an innovation team. And then even when they do find something very innovative, that's where you do a quick pilot, but then it breaks apart when it comes to actually embedding that into the organization. Um, because then this other department over here, which could use that new innovative tool, doesn't have the budget, doesn't have the support um, to try or experiment, and then everything falls apart, right? So we want to allow room for failure, um, but with support. So uh, if I think about how I do that with my own staff, we need to stretch your capability a bit, not too far or it's going to stress you out too much, but you know, allow a little bit of room for failure and experimentation and new ideas, but with the support underneath it that um, things are not going to go off to rails. Yeah, no, I imagine that could be... Um naturally a lot more of a challenge to um, to make happen within a, you know, a larger organization where that any of those vertical slices is um yeah has a lot more layers to it than, than perhaps a you know smaller um small organization um uh and yeah but i, I think I, I as i i think it was you and i discussed um in our last conversation james from our perspective what's most important which you, you touched on there many other um Asking a question, giving people the opportunity to, uh, or encouraging people to have the opportunity to come up with ideas, regardless of whether they're, you know, in the boardroom or the or the post room, right? It's you know, any any idea um, that could improve, even you know, a marginal gain on a particular part of the business overall, could be, you know, could be a, 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 a yeah, add, add massive value, um, you know, across the organisation. So I think you know the example. A couple of examples that that, that we've used uh, or we continue to use within Evolution. So we had a we have a, a quarterly um, employee engagement survey that goes out to everybody in the organisation, regardless of level or role, or time of the organisation. Um, and when we were embarking on that, we asked people for it's completely anonymous, and we asked people not just to rank things out of you know out of ten or MPS or whatever. We do do that, but also there's a comments box, free text comments box out of every question where people can actually. Um, couple of ideas and you know constructive feedback maybe some criticisms about some of the things that we're doing that could be better um and when we we're embarking on doing uh, on doing this about five years ago we started doing it we made commitment at board level to say well look if we're going to do this we need to we need to take everything seriously we might not like everything that we that we hear but if you're going to ask for feedback and then you ignore it you're actually probably better off not asking for it in the first place I think that kind of carries itself, carries itself through to the idea generation part of the business as well, where, um, you know, not every idea is going to work and not, you know, not every one of my ideas works. Um, but if we're not at least encouraging people to read those ideas out, then we're not going to find the ones that do, you know, so that kind of psychological safety of, okay, well, look, let's try it. If it works, then let's work on it and do retros. And, you know, if we're starting to see value out of that thing, then let's, Let's, let's continue to work on it. Whatever small acorn of an idea that might have started, it could turn into solve another problem over here that we didn't even think about. Um, equally, if it doesn't work, okay, well, Joe, yeah, well, we try it. Let's not persist with it because it was an idea. Let's, you know, we're going to fail fast, fail often. Um, but then let's learn from that. And that might, you know, it, it instruct other ideas or other, you know, uh, see innovations that we, we, um, um, we may come up with in the future to, to solve another problem in a different part of the business. Um, we have a every you know we have a monthly review with every every person in the business. Um, and again, you know, there is a there is actually a box on the on the, the review form that says, okay, innovation, innovation ideas, where everyone's encouraged to um, to think about coming to that review meeting, encouraged to think about something that they, they want to suggest. And sometimes people don't have an innovation, you know, come up with top new innovative ideas every year. Um, you know, it's probably a, probably a big ask, but if we don't have, if, you know, if that box wasn't there, we're not prompting people to think about, okay, well, what can, what could we do? What what ideas have I got? Um, and we treat all of them with, um, um, you know, we take them all seriously, and we try and implement them where we can, and, and, and look into them. And a lot of them now are, uh, I'm transitioning to things that we do, you know, on a, on a, on a daily basis around the business and. That would never have happened had we not just, as simple as just asking the question. 
at the start correct that's what you want um actually liam one thing you just touched on there which was um the iteration speed i think is really important so part of innovating is you want to get really good at innovating right so how do we get really good at innovating well we support ourselves with technology things like cicd and um you know feature flags and whatever so that we can do experiments with our products and our customers very rapidly so there's a book um, called the lean startup by eric Ries. it's a good read if you haven't um, read it but it talks about the build measure learn loop and validated learning and i think that's if you look up the end of the spectrum of how can we get to being really innovative that's what it's all about we know that there's lots of little um, loops of the things that you can try and some will work and some won't it's about shortening that cycle so that we get the, the validated learning out as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone anything to add on, on that point? Oh uh, yeah, I just want to add uh, one thing because you guys, well, you guys are working on big companies uh, or have experience with the enterprise. So maybe uh, this topic can um, be a little bit scaring from someone that comes like from a startup point of view where like for example you james talk about we had an innovation team a startup will never have uh, the money to have like an innovation team but um it's still doable like in a startup like to do innovation well it's the main purpose of the startup Uh, and we can uh, follow like the loop that james was talking about uh, startup just have to do it quicker. Uh, so when we say like uh, test and fail quick, startup have to do a test and fail quicker. Uh, so and well, it's what I'm passionate about it. What I know. So yeah, I just want to add that to yeah. I don't know if we have some audience that are coming from startup and they will just think. Oh, I should I should leave and like go and work for a big enterprise because they're more driven by innovation. But this <laughs> could definitely happen like in your startup as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's probably nicely interjects into into the, the, the conversation around optimizing recruitment strategies to to, to align with that. I think um, you know a lot of the work that we've done at Evolution is with helping um, smaller newer growing scaling tech companies you know grow and realize their potential um and um i think arguably it would be easier to do that in a small organization because there's a you know your 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 whole your whole team is an innovation team right because yeah. one company to the business has a yeah as a a bigger share of the overall kind of ideas creation um if you have 20 people then every person is worth five percent of your overall ideas creation um but I think that, like any, like anything, as a recruiter, I would say this perhaps, but it comes down to having um, the right people within the team or not with the right people within the organization that bring that kind of um, uh, innovative idea creation, um, visionary um, mindset to the team, as well as the skills to do their day job. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think having the right people with the right frame of mind and the right kind of, um, uh, that, yeah, so the entity creative idea creation, visionary mindset is probably as important, if not more important than anything else in the, in the ultimate, um, you know, uh, goal of, 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 a, yeah, a, a that fosters, fosters innovation. Um, I will have my views on that. Obviously, I'm a recruiter, so you know I, I have a vested interest in that topic of conversation. Um, but how how have you guys um, seen that uh, applied well, and perhaps not so well? Um, and, and what kind of learnings can you share with with us all on that? Yeah, I've I've worked at a couple of startups, um, and I think it is e- easier to innovate in a startup because you're hungry, right? The whole business is hungry, hungry for you know, getting clients for building new features for you've just got no time. You're just trying to do everything and their uh, innovation kind of often happens naturally. Right. And that's why exactly why you need to hire the right team for that startup approach. So what I hire for is just simple attitude and aptitude. 
you know, if you've got the right attitude to fit in with the culture of the team, and then you've got the aptitude to learn anything quickly, then I can teach you anything. It doesn't, I don't care if you have specific experience in the, you know, the exact language or something that we're using um, in that startup. What's more important for me is that mindset of, you know, the continual learning and absorbing all the new tech that's coming out because um, it's just like week to week, it's nonstop, right? All new stuff. But when you start to look up the scale a bit, like I'm in a medium sized business at the moment. So we do have a continuous improvement team. Um, but in other, another way, the department that I work in, which is Wilbur, is still a startup mentality and we're just going into that scale up mode. So for me, that means we've got product market fit. We, we have clients in market. We know how to price it and sell it, but now we're sort of focusing on the growth. So when you go up the, the scale to the enterprise, things get, in my opinion, markedly difficult because you're now talking about, it might not even be one company, like multiple companies, shared services across the whole lot. And um, then innovation has to be really small and iterative and like, let's just try to get anything across the line in that scenario. But um, okay, final thought for me on that one is, um, I would encourage people to go and work in these different type of environments, right? Not everybody will enjoy the startup thing. But for me, um, I've worked in enterprise and I got a lot from that. And I found out what kind of barriers, you know, we had to um, talk to a team in the US to open a firewall port and it would take two weeks, right? So that's even just the whole setup is a blocker to innovation. Um, and then you learn a lot from the startups as well. And now I'm in a medium sized company and there's a different set of problems. So I think people should be open to trying out you know, these different types of roles. So just to, to, to um, circle back to your, your point on um, attitude over aptitude. Um, and this is something that Emmanuel and I were discussing at, at some length the other day. Mm -hmm. um, how did you, when, you know, when you're interviewing new people you've never met before for a new role in your organization, you know what you're looking for. How does, how do people evidence that? How, how do you, what, what are the things that you look for in, because um, I think everybody would largely agree that, you know, uh, yeah, attitude over aptitude is, it's a, it's a well-known um, idea or concept. Um, not always is as easy to execute because, you know, in interviews, people are, um, you know, you're meeting someone for an hour, two, three, four, perhaps, before deciding, yes, they're the, they're the right person to bring to this business. So I think, um, as we were discussing the other day, I think um, any form of candidate assessment, objective candidate assessment, um, effective objective candidate assessment needs to be evidence-based. How does someone, in your mind, James, when you're you know, interviewing someone for a role, how does someone evidence that um, that attitude above and beyond just saying, hey, I've got a great attitude? Yeah, yeah. So I think the way I like to interview is to keep it um, more of a conversation, more of a casual environment, because people can be, if it's very formal, um, you don't really get a sense of who they really are, right? So then we're starting to look for um, answers to questions that are speaking towards culture. How does this person um, deal with teams and how have they dealt with conflict in the past in other teams? And often that'll be a very revealing answer of, of what they've done there. Um, and look, everyone has challenges, so that's all taken into account. Um, and with with aptitude and what I want to know is that you know your learning style. I don't need you to have a particular learning style, but I need you to have thought about how do I learn best? How can I learn the quickest? You know, um, how do I, what's my approach to solve problems? So some people go to blogs and some people go to docs and some people go to YouTube. I don't really mind what it is, but if you haven't even thought about how you actually like to learn things um, the best, that tells me that, you know, your maturity level is not not really there so i use that as part of the process and then um you know i know it's a controversial topic but we also follow up with a, a short tech test that should take roughly under two hours um and we've taken different approaches with that as well but our current approach is um a brief for a problem where you can create a project from scratch because i think then we can see a lot about how you're approaching 
just creating something on a blank slate. Yeah, but I think I think technical tests or you know, take home assessments or whatever whatever they're called, you know, each organisation, um, they have um, probably some bad press uh, out there. I think there are some really ineffective. I've seen some very ineffective uh, um, ways of uh, looking to, to assess, assess people, but I think um, the kind of the, the gold standard should be that the problem that they're solving should be relative or related to specifically related to the work that they would be doing in that job. They might, yeah, might not necessarily be, uh, whether it's with the, 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 the same tech stack or, or not, but it should be solving the sort of problem that you will need to be solving in depth because of the role and join the organization. So you should be able to you know, replicate the actual job in you know, my problem. Um, and also I think at, at that gold standard level, um, and this is harder to achieve because it's because the, the time commitment um, for the for the hiring organization, but I think the value outweighs that, um, is that it should be as collaborative an exercise as possible. So the most common version of, of, a, of a tech test in the current market is, hey, here's the thing we'd like you to do. You know, it'll take a couple of hours, send it back when it's done, and we'll have a look and we'll come back to you with that feedback. And that's fine. And there's nothing, not, nothing wrong with that in and of itself, um, as long as it's relevant to, to, to the role that you're doing. But I just think there's so much more value in actually sitting down with somebody on a screen share or on a whiteboard in the office and running through that problem live. And it might only take half an hour or an hour to work out, okay, well, this, how this person has gone about solving this problem is or isn't compatible with how we do things around here. Um, you know, how they, how they approach the problem, the questions that they ask, the, the, the process that they go through to come up with that final solution that they otherwise have just emailed, emailed you and you've just got the final product. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I can, I can talk about this. As a yeah, maybe this is the other day. I can talk to, I feel we've got other things to come up. But I think, you know, again, it comes down to that evidence base. This person has gone through this process this way. Okay, it's not necessarily how I would have done it or not necessarily what the solution that I would have expected them to come up with. But I like the way they thought about it. I like the way they showed with the, their, 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 their thought process, their um, yeah, that, yeah, whether it's trial there or something else, to your point about doesn't matter what your learning style is, doesn't you know what it is. Um, you know, then that's kind of um, that attitude and attitude is kind of covered off a bit more effectively in a, in a live, live learning talk. Yeah, that's cool. I'll take that on board. We'll we'll have a chat about it another time. Yeah, absolutely. We'll say, we'll say, um, uh, sorry, I, went, I got back on that back on that interview soapbox of mine, so. Uh, yeah, uh, so um, I 100% agree with James, like at Glider, when we are interviewing for like a tech position, we don't really care like if you are an expert in a particular framework or like a guru in a programming language, or like if you have previous experience like in fintech, um, we like like passionate people, we are looking for people that are curious, like hungry, um, that, uh, how do you say it? Like that they have a drive. And it's not easy to understand, like in an interview, uh, if people um, are like that. But uh, one question that like, we like to ask is just to talk to me about a project that like, you develop and you're very proud of. Uh, and from there, like, you will see how the person apply because maybe like in the CV, they say like, I work on ABC and they have all the details there, but they were not proud of that project or they were not even part of that project. Um, so hopefully like from there, uh, we are able like to understand if it's the right fit for us. And of course, like, we also try like to test technically if a person is good or not. We try with like tech test uh, and we try like with a Google question to understand like if you're smart or not. Uh, we've been trying a lot. We have been fail a lot. We have some success. Uh, it's still like a big learning curve and now to hire the perfect per person. But I really like like your ideal Liam. Um, about the collaborative test. 
Um, and yeah, we will try to apply it. Yeah, no, I think, uh, just, yeah without, without going into, into too much detail again, I think it just it answers a lot of questions in evidence-based way. You know, I've actually seen this person code. I've actually seen this person thinking about a problem. I actually had this person asking me questions about about the, you know whether it's you or you know the, the the team that they'll be working with, preferably the team that they'll be working with, because that that compatibility is really important. Um, um, See, so I just think you know it, it it answers questions that a remote do it at home and send us the results can't answer. And then I think in any in any interview process. Or, or, yeah, or, or candidate assessment. The less you take on faith, the better. And the more likely you are to make the right, yeah, make, make the correct time the choice. Um, we have a question coming from from your audience from Fraser Weir, who um, has asked, "Hi all, um, what role does diversity and inclusion play in cultivating tech talent and driving innovation within organisations?" James, we're going to respond to that first. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, because obviously, if we can foster some diversity in our workforce, then people are naturally going to be coming from different points of view, um, different communities, um, different genders, all of that. Uh, so I can say, I guess, from my experience, what comes to mind is um, around 2015 up until then i was in the dotnet space and then i moved out of that into the node.js space and it was eye-opening at the time right so stepping into a, a whole new community and a very fast-paced community at that right the javascript community is huge and just um a mess of stuff new stuff flying at you every day so i think i actually absorbed a lot from that and then when i've come back now into um in my current role a team of .NET developers, I'm bringing a very different perspective. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important to hire people from different backgrounds, different age groups, different genders, different um, experience levels, because you never know where these innovative ideas are going to come from. Yeah, I think, I think you know, whether we're talking about um, um, individual um, diversity in terms of um, you know, the, 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 the person that they are or the people they are, the types of people they are, the background they come from. What's really important is that <clears throat> not everybody thinks the same. If everybody always thinks the same way and always comes to the same result, um, then you're not getting that diversity of idea uh, and creativity. Now, often you, it, it's, it's a reasonable assumption to make that people come from different backgrounds and experiences um, will think about things differently. Um, I think even within within what is perhaps if they've not considered that a as diverse um, in what the yeah the modern definition of diversity is as you know it's still really important that the diversity of thought within that it's um, you know it's, it, it's present because say if everyone just comes up with the same ideas the same way all the time it's I, I think it's all right to cut for everyone to come up with the same conclusion as long as they're taking different paths to that conclusion it's actually probably better, better, a better conclusion if um you know if we've all thought that differently and still arrived at the same place um so yeah i think diversity of thought and 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 you know that comes often cultural um, background and experience um is, is is super important in that as well um many what are your thoughts uh same as i said before like when when we're trying to hire a person like we don't care like uh about you being like good at that particular area or like being like an age group or what it is well we just look for uh, a very passionate person a passionate person can come from a different age group race or whatever i did i believe like everyone else, everyone is an individual so i i don't want to get political talking about diversity uh so um, very important like to have like people thinking in a different way and try to find a solution together and, yeah. and it, it will come doesn't matter like diversity or inclusion yeah and i think it comes back to one of the points that we, that we made right at the start of the conversation around um it doesn't matter you know diversity of, of level right if it's the i think your pod was the, yeah, the chair level of the, of the trainee um you know they have 
very you know different backgrounds to each other i'm, I'm sure uh, they very, very different life experiences most likely um but they they all have uh valuable input or the opportunity to have valuable input or should have opportunities to have valuable input into into solving problems kind of kind of new ideas so yeah let's say it's I mean, like like innovation, I think diversity is um, is a is a you know, huge ambiguous term, um, but um, yeah, e equally equally is, is important. I think thanks thanks for the uh, thanks for the question, Fraser. Um, so we've I mean we've 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 covered a lot of this, and we've nailed it really. Um, we we all work for super innovative organisations. Well done, round of applause. Um, not always as simple as that, though, is it? Um, you know, there are. Um, there are blockers um, that um, you know get in the way of um, of kind of realizing the potential of a of a, an innovative culture or innovation ideas, creative ideas. Um, even with you know, the best will in the world, um, there are things that can sometimes sometimes kind of scuffer that um, that, that goal, that objective. What are the some of the kind of common blockers um, or challenges that that, that people have um, people have seen? Um, within otherwise, you know, innovative cultures. Uh, yeah, so I think having a lack of the top-down vision um, would be probably the number one for me, because if you if you haven't got that sorted, then it's just not going to work. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, people will be trying to be innovative, but they'll be knocked down um, and, you know, ideas not listened to. So that to me is one of the really, really important things that the management, um, executive CEO, whatever, set the, the vision that can then go all the way down through the, the whole organization. Um, and then depending on the size of the organization, resistance to change is definitely a, a massive problem as well. So I think it gets bigger. So when you're in a startup, you can go to the the CEO, managing director, founder, whatever, and say, hey, I've just had this great idea. And then we start doing that tomorrow, right? Because it's like, oh, great idea. Let's just do it. Um, when you look at enterprises getting bigger and bigger and bigger, then you've got people in there that have worked there for 20 years. They've always done it the same way. Why do you want to come and, you know, change the process on me now? Um, so I think there's a really big communication and change piece that needs to happen going to bring in these innovations because people on the ground that are using the tools need to understand what the benefits are and why we're doing it. Many of your thoughts? Well, I'm pretty sure everyone uh, heard the sentence like, if you ain't broken, don't fix it. So uh, I think like that is the first blocker for me for like for innovation and it happens like in startup as well. Like my work experience uh i heard that sentence in different languages a lot of time um and that's um that's very challenging when like uh your team or organization is not brave enough like to take some risk uh because when you have like a resources issue or like budgeting issue you can find like creative ideas but when you have like um, a team that is a uh, company that is blocking you uh that is very uh, that's the your toughest challenge where you have to go through like to be innovative like we can make like the the biggest example is like the company kodak where they were like the leading film-based business billionaire and uh they were just like too focused on protecting that and they didn't see ahead they didn't embrace like the digital photography and look up them now like that yeah it was it was it was deemed too much of a threat to their core business of of, of um film right yeah um so, probably, probably regret that decision now, aren't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and as James said, like it's very important to have like a good vision, clear vision, um, and it's important that uh, that vision get um, uh, aligned to uh, the entire company. 
otherwise like you're gonna you can still have innovation but like you're gonna find yourself with a lot of like random ideas they will never uh, see the light of the day and when that happens then you're gonna have an unmotivated team because you you will still go to them and say oh let's try to think something new and then you try to build that and then it goes nowhere because at the end it was not the right goal for the company but like you did you didn't know it because the, the vision wasn't um correctly like share within uh, all the team's member yeah there's a couple of points i've put out to that in terms of <clears throat> in terms of potential potential or actual blockers um perhaps you know what is directly directly in my career um and one would be the um ownership of the idea so let's say you know if the, 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 the as we defined innovation earlier it's, it's the coming up with the idea part right that's that's really where the innovation is um and often and this is probably more common than not when someone comes up with a new idea they then own that idea and expectations that they follow that through um to um to see if that idea works Whereas I can imagine there's lots of scenarios where, hey, look, I just had the idea. I don't want to own it. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I, this is something I want to suggest. And there are other people in the organization or whatever that might be better off to, to go and go on that. So on that, I just thought it would be a good idea. So, you know, how um, in, in that context, how have uh, you and your organizations, either current or previous, approached um, the ownership of seeing if an idea will work or, you know, an, an innovation suggestion will work? Is it, is it a case of if it's your idea, then you run with it and let us know how you got on? Or is it, we, okay, great idea, thanks for that, we'll run with it. Um, a mix of both, how do we, you know, how do we address address those, yeah, those, those situations? I mean, just to start get um, a bit of insight on your, your own personal experiences. Yeah, I think there's different uh, approaches. So I work for a group of companies, right? And one of those companies has a, has a continuous in, innovation team uh, continuous improvement team and so you can see they're going to definitely take a lot of those ideas and run with them um, and support different departments across the business to facilitate those um, but then in we've got a mix of different sizes of companies so again if you're in a startup i think it's a lot easier to get your ideas heard and get approval for that um but that's, I think, why the vision is so important, right? Because if everyone's running in different directions, rather than we all get forward momentum, get on the same train and go in the same direction. Um, if we don't have that, that's when things are going to fall apart. So taking ownership, I think, you know, you have to work within the, the structures that are in your company, right? So if I'm working in a tech team, I might go to my team leader. If I'm the team leader, I might go to the CTO. Um, if, if I'm the CTO, I might go to the executive or the board. So it's, it's a bit different. But my general um, recommendation would be sell a big vision, like your innovative vision, but find a way to just bite the first part. Because the, as, and especially in the bigger companies, the bigger, you, the bigger the batch size you try to take on, the more risk of failure because then it's just harder to get everything to happen. Yeah, I, I can imagine the other scenarios where um, ideas um, don't get off the ground. Otherwise, very good idea don't get off the ground because they're not um, they're not given to the best person um, to 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 um, to see that through. I think you know in an example where. Okay, it was your idea? Hey, let's run with that. Um, let's know what's fortunate. Okay, you own that, and, and, and let us know, hey, you know what, what the outcome is. In certain scenarios, that'd be great because that person is empowered and that's their idea and they're passionate about it, and they go and make a you know, really, really good job of that or the best job that they can because it's their idea um, and that, that attachment to that idea. I can equally, equally imagine that someone having a good idea doesn't necessarily mean they have the skills or the tools or the capability to actually put that into practice and it would equally just 
probably just as many times as not, a good idea might fail because it wasn't imprinted the right way. And and both of those situations, vice versa. You know, a good idea is take it off someone. Hey, we'll get that to Innovation Lab. They'll go and run with that. And that person thinks, well, you know, I want to do that. And then they don't give the next idea up because they want to take it off them. Equally, it could work really well because Innovation Lab are our best best place to to turn that on that idea into reality. So yeah, just I don't I don't know what the there is there isn't a one size fits all, but I think that's that's probably. Uh, one of the blockers that, that I've practiced in my career. I think just to your point um, about resistance to change, James, it reminded me of um, of a quote that I heard only last week, in fact, um, which was attributed to Charles Darwin. Not sure that if it was, probably was, sounds the sort of thing you might say, um, but that um, in evolution, uh, it's not the strongest that survive, it's the ones that are most responsive to change. Um, I promise that wasn't just an opportunity to shoot all the word evolution into the conversation because it's about company. Uh, but I just thought it was relevant to, um, to, to the point. And I think if, as at an organizational level, um, or, yeah, or down level to leadership of an organizational level, then if there is not, um, you know, companies are, or, or, or leaders aren't responsive to change, then you've just, that, that is the ultimate blocker to having an innovative culture. So that's you know that's that's a not so much a not so much a blocker, just a non-starter. I think it's you know there is a a, a unwilling a, a lack of willingness to 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 um, um to change. Um, probably a good opportunity to just jump out to a question that Christopher Marsh um, has uh, has asked on the chat today, and that's um, what advice would you give for someone looking to break into the technology industry? Uh, so I think if you've got no prior experience, a good way to start is actually building up a little bit of a portfolio on GitHub, something like that, where, cause that goes a long way, right? Even if, and, and it goes, even if you want to shift, um, into a different technology and you've already got experience, that works as well. So, um, yeah, I would say. There's plenty of resources out there um, that you can use to then learn how to use different technologies. So obviously you need to try to pick what kind of role and segment you want to be in. So, you know, you might be want to want to be a web developer. So web developers are a very different set of tools from being um, a data engineer or, you know, a, a QA or some other um, role as well. So I would say, Pick your focus. Where do you want to end up? What's your ideal scenario? And you know, what would you be working on? What kind of projects? What kind of technology? And start to go into the shallow end of the pool and, and learn those technologies so that when you come to finally actually get an interview, people can see that your heart and soul is behind it and you, you, you're trying to do everything that you can to be able to get that job. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and anyway, anyway, what do you, uh, would you add to that? Yeah, I agree with that uh, 100%. Like the most important thing is like at the beginning is study, study, study. Uh, you you need to decide what you want to do or what, what you like. Uh, and you pick your uh, focus and then you study on that. There are like plenty of resources online. Probably, yeah, getting a bachelor degree. Uh, is it's going to be the same as doing like i don't know android courses online and so yeah very important just study get prepared and then well jump yourself in it's uh, an amazing field the technology field so yeah no, I, and I, we I, need I, more people especially in australia yeah true yeah so please do um the um yeah, look, from my perspective, obviously, you know, as, a, as a recruiter, that's perhaps a, a slightly different perspective, but I think I, I very much agree with, with what you said. I'll go back to my point earlier about, um, you know, that evidence-based approach um, being most effective and being able to satisfy, um, you know, a potential employer interviewer um, with, with evidence. Um, it's really difficult to start because it's really difficult to show, you know, how did, you can't get a job without experience, you can't experience without a job. Um, so, you know, to, to Jane's point about personal products, 
um, things that you might have yeah, done, done in your spare time, things that you've learned, courses that you've gone on, you know, um, how can you demonstrate rather than just listing these are the courses that I went on. Put a bit of detail in there about, okay, what you learned on you know, GitHub, GitHub account. And, and I, I will, I'll add to that um, a populated GitHub account as well, not one that just sets up and put one piece of, you know, um, one, one piece of work into and, and, and never again. Um, you know, consistently adding adding to it. Doesn't have to be, you know, huge pieces of work, but just something that evidences you can you commit a lot of your personal time to this because you're passionate about it. Generally, think that if someone's if you're passionate about what you do, you, you will do a better job than someone who isn't because you'll care. Um, how do you evidence that you care? Through commitment of time, your commitment of your own, you know, your own your own um, uh, effort. Um, and, and sacrifices that you've made to 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 um, pursue this path. I think um, one of the kind of common examples that we come across is when you know, we read hundreds, thousands, probably of CVs, you know, uh, uh, on a regular basis, and you'll often see, you know, passionate about learning. I'm a you know a, I'm a keen learner, and you know, or, or variations of that. Um, and then you'll look down and. The last thing that they did on the, in their education was like 15 years ago. I mean, then you're, when you're doing, a, you know, you're, you're, you're interviewing that candidate, passionate about learning. Okay, awesome. What was the last course you went on? Oh, um, what are you teaching yourself on right now? Um, well, nothing. I watched a video on something about two years ago. It's, you can say it if you can't evidence it, then it's going to be very difficult to get that, get that out of the line. So, um, yeah, you seem like a, a passionate, um, passionate person. Christopher, it's something you're really keen to keen to do. So, I would say that's that's a great advice there for you to follow. And if you want any further advice, then of course, feel free to reach out to us at Evolution, um, and we'll um, you know perhaps go through um, a bit more uh, a bit more detail on that with you. Um, so we're coming to the end of the, the end of the end of the conversation. We haven't touched on AI yet, so we we can't we can't leave that out. Um, I'm not sure I'm not sure it's allowed um, at the moment. Um, so. Um, we're talking about innovation, we're talking about, um, you know, culture uh, or innovative culture. Um, the final point we have to discuss, exploring the impact of intelligence on recruitment, innovation, and development. And I think that in and of itself could be three podcasts. Um, but as a, a, as a kind of a, an overview, Jake, um, the conversations that you and I have had, the AI has come up every time. Many of you've done some, you know, some, some AI prep for the, for the Today as well, so um, we're in the. I'm in. I'm in the, the the presence of two experts on the subject. So I guess I'll just hand over to you guys and and, and share your uh, your wisdom with the rest of us. Uh, I, I can start. I'm going to be very quick. Uh, uh, I believe that we are still in the early days of AI, and currently, like the impact of these areas is still limited. Um, but, and yeah, we can sit here and like talk for like days about what we think like AI will do in the future, but we have two minutes and seven seconds. So I can only we, tell we you. We can overrun, it's not, it's not hard. So. <laughs> I, I can tell you like what uh, the impact that like currently has like in our team, like we're using AI tools such as like ChatGPT, CodePilot or CodeWhisperer. And these are helping us to speed up all the repetitive coding tasks or coding uh, questions that we have. That will free, uh, is freeing up like time yeah, in our team. So they can focus more like on solution than, uh, than execution. And that is driving like our innovation process because like you basically like spending less time typing on the keyboard things that are just in your mind and the AI is just pre-filled that for you. Uh, so we, we're seeing like a very um, big improvement like in speed on execution and also like people coming up with like better solution. Um, so that that's what is impacting right now like on our talent development and innovation. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that we haven't, we haven't touched on yet. You need time. You need time to think about think about things and anything that can create. And I, know, I think some of the, the most effective innovations that we've come, yeah, we, we, we've kind of brought into our business have just saved us time. 
Yeah, it's a process that we need to do. Do we need to need to do it in that way? It needs to take that long. We think that that many, you know, that many pairs of hands doing it. Um, free time up, um, and then you know, gives people the, the, the perhaps capacity to look at other things they wouldn't have had time to do if they were still doing those those tasks manually. So yeah, I think that, that, that's a, a massive um, jump on the cap of uh, the, the AI, AI revolution. Um, James, on yourself. I know, you're, I, know, I know you're passionate AI uh, for, you know, uh, enthusiast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, just on what you were just saying, uh, in one company that I worked at, we did hack time on Friday afternoons and that gave people a little bit of space and time and I'd get them to tell me what their ideas were, you know, what do you want to try? Um, you know, so that we're still in line with something that's going to provide some sort of value to the company, but we actually got some of our biggest, um, enhancements on our product that were then market leading because of that hack time. So because someone was like, well. I'm not sure if this even works, but I've read the docs and maybe we can make it work. Um, and, and we're able to pull it off. So I think that's a very interesting and useful approach as well. But when we think about AI, I'm sort of very much the same, I think, Emmanuel A is what you're doing. So um, I've had all of my technical staff on having access to ChatGPT for many months now. And we're also doing, um, little proof of concepts in different pockets of the business as well. So, you know, um, it, you know, cause it's such a general tool that can be used for many things. So if we look at how do we use it in recruitment? Well, I actually encourage people when we I talked about doing a tech test and I tell them, I want you to use it. If you're not using it's, it, it's not cheating. Yeah. It's not cheating. It's like, if I say, I want you to find information, but don't use a search engine, like no, Google's not allowed. That would be a silly thing to say, right? It's they're new tools, but they're tools and they're very um, valuable. Do you have to understand what they're saying and, and check the output and make sure? Yeah, of course you do. But it's the same as anything else, right? So um, yeah, it's, it's had an impact on recruitment. Um, it also has helped me at times summarize and sort of help shortlist and stuff like that. If you've got, you know, 50 resumes to read through. So that was an interesting use case. Um, and then tell it the right candidate. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, like I read through and, and double checked what it said, but, uh, yeah, I, th I think it gave pretty good results to be honest. Um, you know, cause I was able to say to it, we're using these type of technologies and then ask me any questions and it said, oh, how much experience do you need in years and what kind of other tool or industries are beneficial. And so it took all of that into account. Um, and yeah, when we look at talent development, I think it's such a great tool, right? I can see the entire learning sphere just being completely changed in the next few years. Um, because one of the things that ChatGPT does really well is when you ask it a question, it also explains what it's doing. Like, you know, it might provide code to you, but it says, this is how it works. And so as a CTO, I'm frequently just in one day working across many different technologies. So it could be AWS stuff, Azure stuff, Terraform, um, .NET, Ruby, whatever the case may be. Now I, I don't know Python, but I just, I'm writing multiple Python scripts every day. When I say I'm writing it, ChatGPT is writing it. So um, I think the days of having to say, oh, look, I've spent the last 10 years learning this language and I know it really well. Um, that's less important now. So. You need to know the fundamental concepts of what we're doing, but then you can easily just throw something at it and say, convert this from this language to that language. Or I love it for, I'll have um, APIs returning JSON data, chuck the JSON data in and just say, convert that into in a .NET C Sharp interface or into Ruby code or whatever. So the use cases are, are pretty much endless. You've got to make sure you're using the GPT for the paid version. 3.5 is not so great at coding, but I know there's other coding tools coming out and look every, every day, every week, it's, it's hard to keep up with the amount of AI, um, advancements that are coming out now. So, um, I think you're either on the bus or under it. You may as well learn. Uh, the I just want to add one, uh, thing like from James, well, he said that at the end, but it is very important. Like 
uh, if you have like an interview right now and like you want to try to use ChatGPT like uh, for the tech question, don't use the free version because it's two years old. They're going to make you like use outdated library and people that will check your code will understand straight away. So be, be careful on that. It happens a lot of time and yeah, we normally skip the person straight away. Yeah, that is it. Yeah. It's, I think it's one of these things, yeah, we were saying it's not cheating. I think it depends what, it's the intention of the person using it. If the intention of the person is to cheat, <laughs> to, claim, to claim knowledge or skills or experience that they don't have to, you know, um, once they went to the interview and get a job that the perhaps they would get otherwise, um, then you know, like like anything, it could be used for it could be used for good or good or, or evil. Um, and so, you know, I'd like to think that um, it's not at the point yet where um, people can completely um, claim to be capable of, of of things that they're not, and then and then go on to to do those things. Uh, you know, that's uh, probably quite a way in the future. Whether it be in my lifetime, I'm not sure, but. Um, yeah, I think it, it comes down to the intent of are you using ChatGPT or yeah, or other yeah other other AI tools that are available um, uh, to further your knowledge, um, to learn, um, or to shortcut the function. Um, I think there's you know there's probably as many examples of each out there, um, and so just being aware of that and keeping keep on top of that and trying to. Yeah, your point about it, making sure that we're identifying who the who the, the, the people are using it for good and who are perhaps have more uh, uh, sinister uh, intentions with that. So good stuff. Thanks, guys. Look, um, we we have slightly over around the hour that we that we um, we aim for today, but then we've covered a lot of really good stuff today. I think there's a lot of um, to go up, yeah, sat here, make some notes. We've got some takeaways myself. Um, that um, you know we can uh, apply into, into evolution. I'm not sure that the rest of the audience um, have uh, taken some, some, some good stuff from that as well. Um, thank you both for your time. We're all busy. It's, you know, time is uh, time is a, a, a precious commodity these days. So I really thank you for, um, for the, the time we committed to preparing for this and, and, and doing the recording with me today. Um, to any of the audience, anyone listening to this, feel free to reach out. Um, if there's anything you want to kind of clarify or discuss further beyond the things that we we talked about on the uh, on the episode today. Um, but outside of that, thanks all for your time, for the contributors, for the listeners, and we'll uh, we'll have another one of these coming up soon. Thanks very much.